Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I suck at dating with Dean Ungler and Jared Haven, an iHeartRadio podcast. What's going on, sucky daters? Welcome to an all-new episode of Help I Suck at Dating. Reporting live from Las Vegas, Nevada is me, Dean Ungler. And reporting live from somewhere on the East Coast, I always forget where he is. He's either in Rhode Island or Boston or Philadelphia or Washington, D.C. Who knows, Jared? Hello, I'm from Washington, D.C. today. We're kind of right outside, Northern Virginia, really. Uh, We have a great episode coming up for you. Now, Dean, this is a great episode for you. I'm an Office fan. I've seen The Office. I really like The Office. But you, my friend, I feel like you love The Office. It's probably the show you've rewatched the most. How did you? Have I told you that? How did you know that? Because I know you. I know you, my friend. I stalk (laughs) you. I know where you sleep. Oh yeah, I guess I guess I probably have shared about it on my Instagram or something. Uh, I'm sure I've told you in person as well. But I love The Office to a fault to the point where uh, I sleep better whenever The Office is playing in the background. You know, like some people like to listen to the waves crash. Some people like to listen to rain falling. I like to listen to The Office to put me to sleep. And I, it's so much that I spent like 120 bucks on the discography so I could play it anywhere in my van at any given moment. Wow. I've I'm the same way. I like falling asleep to either Seinfeld or to the local news. It's very comforting. Well, we have Brian Baumgartner on the podcast today. You know him better as Kevin Malone from The Office. He hosts an iHeartRadio podcast, The Office Deep Dive, which you can listen to uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. And he talks to all former show cast and crew of The Office uh, see what they're up to doing now. He just released his podcast with John Krasinski. Uh, so it's pretty awesome. He's going to be on the podcast later, which is super exciting. Before we talk about it, we do have some hot topics to get to, obviously. The first one is Bachelor-related news. Just when you thought we couldn't talk anything more about The Bachelor. <coughs> oh, my God. <coughs> I, just, I just swallowed my spit down the wrong throat. <coughs> I think that's got to be like an omen. Just when you think we can't talk more about The Bachelor... <laughs> Jared to death. Jared chokes to death. Holy crap. On air, too. Sorry about that, guys. Whew, I'm not even eating an apple. Now I'm sweating. Oh, isn't that the worst where you just like it's down the wrong pipe and you start like getting hot sweats? Whew. Do you need a second? Do you need a second to collect yourself? Do you have any water nearby? I do. I have a nice LaCroix. I'm a big sparkling water guy. I think that says a lot about my character and who I am as a man. It's Lemoncello. My mother in law bought oh. these just for me. Isn't she so sweet? It's okay. Dude, Kaylin and I love LaCroix and Bubblies and all those things. And I, I also got to make note real quick. I'm really proud of you for upgrading your uh, environment this week. Last week you were in a closet. This week you're sitting in a nice office with a bubbly right next to you. You're killing it. Yet again, I'm in my father-in-law's office. I got to be honest. I miss the closet. Dude, I listened to the podcast last week. I listened back to it to see how my audio sounded. 
I think I sounded better with a voice memo in that closet than I do on the mic, and I'm not joking about that. I think iHeart should pay me to fly to New York every week to record from that closet because there is something acoustically about those shoes, clothing, who knows, but I sounded so great. So I don't know if it's an upgrade. Don't tell my father-in-law that. It's a very nice office. I enjoy it. Anyway, so The Bachelor, Matt James, says that Rachel Kirkconley gave him a, quote, ultimatum before dating again. So Matt James, The Bachelor, from this previous season... His final pick, Rachel Kirkconley. They broke up. Uh, wait, wait, just- wait. Can you? I just need. I need to interrupt you real quick. Is it yeah. Kirkconley? Kirkconnell. I thought it was Kirkconnell. You're right. It is Kirkconnell. Damn it. Okay. I, I, just, I didn't want you to keep saying Kirkconley if it was Kirkconnell. I know. I don't know. I can't pronounce names, man. I can barely pronounce. I honestly don't even know how to pronounce my last name. It's either Haben or Haybon. I've heard it both ways. You can, can go with Kirkconley if it makes you feel. I didn't want to like put you on the spot. I just wanted to make sure that. Where you were doing her the service that we no no Dean so do, would do so well me. correct me please I need correction that's why I have Ashley. all right carry on as, Matt as James, you were the bachelor his his final pick Rachel where the girl he didn't propose to she had the photos of the antebellum party come out they broke up they're back together so uh, he was speaking to People magazine shout out to People that apparently Rachel gave him an ultimatum. He said that the ultimatum was the push he needed to fully commit to their relationship. Quote, she was like, if you're going to make this work, let's do it. But if you're not going to make it work, I'm going to let you do your own thing. He said, that's really all I needed. It was an ultimatum that I needed. It's been great. It was honestly a commitment that we made to each other uh, that we were going to work on the relationship. There came a point in time where it was evident that my working on the relationship looked different than Rachel's because I wasn't really honoring that commitment that I made to working on the relationship. Dean, do you have any thoughts about this? Do you have any thoughts about ultimatums in general? Do you think they work? Do you Is, think people should do it? Wait, so Matt was interviewed and they like are confirmed in a relationship? Dude, they've been in a relationship like two weeks after the final rose. I remember... Where was I? I was in, remember when I was in, where the hell was I, Nevada? I don't even remember anymore. We were in a, like a Vivace conference a couple months ago, and they were spotted hanging out together. This was like two weeks after the final rose. So what? Now like, I know. So it's pretty insane because I remember on the after the final rose, there was obviously a lot of controversy with Rachel and her past pictures at the antebellum party, which I'm, you know, came to light and should be talked about because honestly I learned a lot. I had no idea what the hell an antebellum party was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but at the time and now in hindsight, I just thought that Matt wasn't, I, I don't know. I just, I thought that I didn't believe what he was saying in some parts in After Final Rose, and now they're together. Because After Final Rose, he pretty much said, hey, listen, you need to do your own education on what it's like to being black in this country, and I can't be a part of that. Um, because Matt said that when he's dating someone, he has the intention of marrying that person and and kids, and he's like, I don't know how we're going to explain this to our kids one day. And then two weeks later, they're together. So it was like, okay, well, that was obviously something you didn't really mean or you had a Mm. quick change of heart. Um, And it's really weird that so he wanted her back, but now she needed to give him the ultimatum in order to commit to a relationship. It just sounds like Matt was wishy-washy the entire time and (laughs) maybe isn't ready for being in a relationship. Yeah, I. I mean, I don't I kind of remember watching that after the final rose and being like it was like uncomfortable the whole time for everyone. Like, you know, they were uncomfortable the audience was uncomfortable. Uh, I mean, obviously digitally because there was no audience. I just remember him like, he was like kind of traumatized, I feel like. So yeah, to hear that they were together after the final rose, it's kind of, it's like surprising, right? It's kind of like, yeah, like almost performative in a sense where we're going to put on this show and then, you know, keep on dating afterwards. I would be like kind of disappointed if I was Rachel, honestly, because and rightfully so, like he kind of put her on blast. Don't get me wrong. But there hasn't really been any, like, I don't know, storyline afterwards, you know? Like, he's like, I'm going to put you on blast publicly on this platform because you deserve it, which she did. But then afterwards, everything's going to be fine. We'll just carry on dating. Like, that kind of, she, like, I feel like had to take the brunt of it there, don't you think? Yeah, it kind of feels like that he just 
didn't know what to do with after the final rose and just was like, this is what I'm going to say about it. And then did a 180 afterwards. I mean, that's how it appears. I don't know the personal conversations that him and Rachel have had since the show yeah. or before the after final rose, if there were any conversations leading up to it. But like, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, if you're going to tell someone that they need to like, he doesn't want to be emotionally responsible for their tears and they need to do their own thing. Like then let them do their own thing and don't, get back together with him two weeks later. Because even if she was the one, even if she was the one blowing up his phone saying, I want you back, I want you back, I want you back. Like he needs to be the one to shut that down. It's kind of like, I, you know, when a friend breaks up with another friend and, and you're like, oh, I feel bad that that person was broken up with. But it's also the responsibility of the person who ended up, who did the breaking up to like cut off the relationship. Because so many times, I'm sure you have in your friend group as well, where like, the person that broke up with someone keeps hanging out with them because they're like, oh, well, I feel bad. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to hurt them anymore. And it's like, no, you are hurting them way more by continually to let them back into your life and giving them hope than you would be if you just cut it off. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like they Matt chose Rachel and Rachel chose Matt for a reason. Like there's got to be a lot of unspoken chemistry that we haven't seen yet. And I think we do ha maybe have to give them some credit. Like, like, as you said, you know, Matt was like, I don't want to be responsible for giving someone a, a black history lesson or, uh, you know, it's not my responsibility to do that type of thing. And Rachel was like, well, I'm going to put in the work and, and figure it all out. And I mean, to her credit, it's, maybe she did do the work and she educated herself and figured it out to the point where Matt was comfortable with it uh, and was able to kind of be like, okay, you know what? I appreciate you putting that effort in. I agree it just seems quick which i quick. obviously i'm not a, a black man in this country so i have no say in saying like what is adequate what is not adequate what is accepted as apology what's not but you know obviously it's just a very sensitive time right now and it's weird and i it's it's unfortunate you know that they had to go through this and i feel bad i really feel bad for matt i was saying that for a while like this guy was under so much immense pressure being the first black bachelor and then you know, even that sit down he had with Chris Harrison in episode one, where he pretty much said, like, am I going to get scolded if I don't end up with a black person? You know, if I end up picking mm. a white woman. And then, you know, obviously the, the Rachel Kirkconnell photos come out and there was just a lot for there was a lot of pressure on Matt. And I, I really do feel bad for him. And I feel bad for Rachel as well, because there's just I will a say lot back surrounding your, the relationship. Back to your original question of have what are what's my opinion of an ultimatum? I am not a fan of the ultimatums. Generally speaking, I've been given an ultimatum before. I remember once when I was in my early 20s, I was like, you know, this girl and I were like going on dates, whatever. We were going on dates for a few weeks. And this is in my F boy days, mind you. So take everything I say with that in mind. <laughs> uh, we were like dating for like a, a month or two. And she eventually was like, if we you're, you have a choice, like we went out to dinner. She's like, you have the choice, either be my boyfriend or we never talked to each other again. That was like her ultimatum. Cause I was like still partying with my friends, like probably still hooking up with other girls. Um, and she was like, you either keep doing that or we decide to be in a relationship. And I was like, well, I really like you. I guess let's be in a relationship. And then obviously sure enough, that relationship went south eventually like a year later. Um, but it was just kind of a bad way to start the relationship where it's like, you know, you kind of have to let it happen a little more naturally. And granted, like if I was her in her position, I would have done the exact same thing. I was just about to say that. Like, honestly, yeah. if she didn't give you the ultimatum, don't you think the relationship would have went south anyway? Yes. Come on. Because I, I never I never would have brought the ultimatum. I never would have been like, hey, look, let's be boyfriend, girlfriend. Not because I didn't like the girl, but just because I, you know, I didn't want to be in a relationship at the time. But I also didn't want to lose the comfort of that person that I had grown fond with over the past month or two. I don't know. That's kind of why ultimatums, in a way, are necessary. Because it's like, well, if you like that person, sometimes you need them to, like, push you over the ledge a little bit you know yeah yeah i i'm a fan of ultimatums i think that you, you know depending on the situation like that girl dude you were you were hanging out with other girls she wanted to be in a relationship with you i give her credit she was like hey dean you either want to date me or you want to sleep around and if you want to sleep around cool but i'm not going to be one of those girls right. and i respect that and honestly it's not it's kind of similar to what ashley did with me but instead of giving me an ultimatum, she just started dating someone else. So I brought the decision upon myself to be like, okay, I either go for this or I don't go for this. It's really, I got to go in one camp or the other. Um, 
Yeah, I'm a fan of ultimatums. I think we should do it. Have I mean, you depending, ever, have like, you dude, night it? one, like, after one day, if you're like, hey, you're either with me or not, like, yeah, little cuckoo, don't do that. Have you ever given an ultimatum? Um, but, 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 nah, I don't think so. I never had the balls to be like, yo, you either date me or you don't date me. Cause I was probably more in your situation where I was like wishy washy and flaky and like, I don't know. Do we want to be in a relationship? Do we not want to be in a relationship? Yeah. And I don't think I was ever I guess, given, besides Ashley, like a true ultimatum. I guess I kind of gave Kaylin an ultimatum, right? I was like, you either leave this beach with me or you stay. That was no it's ultimatum. Dude, there was no choice in that. Are you kidding me? Do you remember what you looked like walking down those stairs? <laughs> I was like, damn. Kaylin is leaving is, paradise today. That probably is the only ultimatum I've ever given. And I remember people were like, oh, Dean's such a dick for giving an ultimatum to this girl. And I was like, dang, you're kind of right. I am kind of a dick. Not but at like, all, dude. It worked out. Look, look what happens <laughs> when you give ultimatums. It usually works out. So I'm a, I, I believe in them. Depending on the situation, don't be a jerk about it. But well, and and let's talk about your your. You kind of gave an ultimatum. I know you said you haven't, but in a way, you did, right? Like, you're you've been pretty open about the time you kissed Ashley at the airport, right? That was essentially you giving her an ultimatum. <laughs> see, that was um. See, it wasn't an ultimatum for me because. Like me kissing her at the airport was more like, "Hey, I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere." Uh, I think. Well, I think the, the ultimatum, ultimatum lies to, in the the ultimatum for, was on me beforehand to be like, "I'm either going all in on this, hence I'm going to kiss her and be like, hey, I think it should be you and I,' or I leave the situation and let Ashley and and what's his name, you know, have a good life." <laughs> I guess my point is, your kiss was essentially you telling her like. Hey, keep dating that guy or come get some more of this yeah. action. Come get some of this action, baby. Oh, God. And like you like similar to my mine and Kaylin's ultimatum, yours ended up working out for the best. Marriage and now, on the way to hopefully, having kids on the way. kids on the way at some point. Dude, I don't know if I just have like I'm I'm glamoring myself, my past, but like I feel like I used to be way more sexy that i am now like the idea <laughs> of me trying to lure ashley and like woo her mm. oh god i would yeah. I, I don't even know where to start yeah no i feel the same way i think it's because i've also put on like 10 pounds so i just feel disgusting well you look great that's all that matters dude when you shave your mustache it's like your a plus dean again that's all you got to do what all about right. this mustache this is a good length right it's a good length i like it i i just like yeah. your face Clean shave, whatever. We don't have to talk about your face oh. all day and night. Anyway, we've got a great guest. He's coming up right now from the office, Brian Baumgartner. Uh, he is the brand, uh, not brand new, but he's the host of The Office Deep Dive, and he's going to be coming up right after this break. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Back to help I suck at dating. Jared here with Dean, of course, and we have a very special guest. You know him as Kevin Malone from The Office. He has an iHeartRadio podcast called The Office Deep Dive, which you can listen to wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Currently, Brian Bumgartner. Brian, how are you? Jared, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming on. You are probably the biggest celebrity guest we've ever had on this podcast, and <laughs> that's not hyperbole. You know, 
Many people have said that, and they're all correct. <laughs> I'd be lying if I uh, was saying I'm not fangirling a little bit right now. So pardon my stuttering, pardon the butterflies. I know you can't feel them. And I, Jared, I just wanted to correct you real quick, not only from The Office, but also from Hand of God mm-hmm. and Good Behavior, many others, many Absolutely. others, and the podcast. Let's talk about your podcast real quick, Brian. So you have an oral history of The Office, which came out last year and now you are doing new episodes of the office deep dive right that's right so tell us about the office deep dive a little bit you know basically we the the whole journey started with wanting to wanting to figure out why why the office has is what it is now like in other words we were a big hit when we were on nbc like we were we struggled coming out of the gate. And then for a large time of the nine seasons we were on, we were the biggest scripted show on NBC. But now the show has gone crazy. <laughs> like it's way bigger now. And we haven't filmed anything in seven, eight mm-hmm. years. And so it really was about wanting to know why, like what happened, like what decisions were made early on that made the show, um, you know, live on now and and why is it cultivating this younger fan base, this increased fan base? I mean, by any metric you can, you know, find, it's the most watched show in television now. And wow. I'm talking about new shows, you know, hit shows, hot shows that come out. More people are watching The Office than anything else. And so it enough time had passed. And I went back to a lot of my old friends and actors. Yes, Steve Carell and Jenna Fisher and Rain Wilson, but also producers and directors and writers and and crew people. And really just wanting to to explore that question, like what happened exactly? Like, why is this now become, you know, part of the cultural zeitgeist? And and, uh, everybody was super like not just willing, but like engaged Mm -hmm. about talking about it. I mean, I, I, I referenced... Before I I talked to Steve Carell for about three hours about the show. And then, you know, it was like, oh, I'll walk you to your car. And then I stood by his car, like leaning against his car for like 25 minutes and like still talking about it. And uh, I, I, I found a lot of the answers interesting. It was a ton of fun. And so we had over 100 hours of recorded material. And that's the office deep dive. Now it's me sitting down with my old friends, having a conversation and talking about the show and how it got put together and why people think now this show is bigger than ever. Yeah. Well, it's funny to hear you talk about that too, because that, that phenomenon that you were just describing is exactly me. So when the show was airing in the late two thousands, I was in high school, I graduated Oh nine, not to date myself or anything like that, but well, you just uh, my, yeah. my, be- my best friend was obsessed with the office and he'd always try to get me to watch it with him. I'm like, nah, that just sucks. I'm not into it. And then I graduated high school, went to college and like my sophomore, junior year of college, uh, all the seasons were over, and then it became on demand. Like it, it went on Netflix or something like that, and I like plowed through it. And I was like, "Whoa, this show is so good! Why did I say I never watching this the first time around?" And now Jared and I talked about it on top of the podcast. I'm sure you get this all the time too. I, it's like it's what I fall asleep to every single night. Like I like kind of gauge people. Like if I don't think I can make a new friend if they're not a fan of The Office, kind of thing. You know, like I use it as like a well, ranking me- method that I have. I think it might be the most rewatchable show of all time. I'd say The Office and Seinfeld. No matter how many times you see an episode, people just will watch the same episode 30, 40, 50 times and it never gets old. That's cool. Why do you think that is? <sighs> See, I'm hosting this podcast yeah, now. Yeah, I like it. No, no, no. I like I'm it. really yeah. good at this. We're yeah. switching well, it. I, I'll tell you why I think it is. I think it's because, well, A, the characters also are all so relatable. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, it's a nice way to like kind of have a glimpse into obviously an American office, uh, like relate with these people and then kind of tie it back into your own life. And you're kind of like, okay, well, like they're doing that. I'm doing this. I'm like maybe doing this a little bit better. So I'm like really proud of myself because like everyone has their own inner struggles going on in the show, you know? And so it's like, well, you're, you're like, well, if Kevin did that or if Jim did that, I didn't do it. So that means like, you know, my life's going pretty well. They're doing pretty well. That means I'm probably doing better. That's kind of how I've always looked at it. And you I, know? I had to piggyback off Dean. I think a couple things. One, I think obviously the writing has to be good, you know, I, I, first and foremost. And then secondly, I think you have to have great characters and you have to have characters that people can see themselves in, if that makes sense. Like, for example, 
somebody can watch the office and say oh i'm like kevin i can see myself like him or i can see myself like jim or 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 dwight you know like everybody has somebody when they're watching the office they're like oh yeah yeah, i'm like that person and i think because of that you kind of grow with these kind of you grow with these characters and i guess as they grow you grow with them and so you feel this like certain bond i don't know but it's it's pretty cool. I also think the binge factor had probably something to do with it because so many people, like how many times, uh, Brian, have you heard online someone would be like, oh, I tried starting a new show and instead I watched six hours of The Office. Yeah. Yeah, well, I for the podcast, I talked to Billie Eilish, who oh, I hope I'm not messing this up. I think this is this is basically the story. I think she had said she'd watched it 14 times. I think that's right. <laughs> And when we had some of the clips of the interview air and, and I was talking about it, I had tons of responses of social media online, like amateur only 14 times. (laughs) And I'm like, what, how is that? Are you like, um, and I think, you know, one of the things that, that she talks about, which you kind of alluded Dean to it earlier, didn't, not with these words, but, there's a, there's a, com- I don't, I, it's hard to explain why, but there's a comfort mm-hmm. factor. There's a, a feeling um, in terms of people watching it at night before they go to bed, mm-hmm. like that there's, there's a repeatable nature of um, it's funny too, because especially early on, you had a lot of people. Now, most of these people were of the older demographic. I will, I will, be honest, who could not watch the show because they felt like it was too mean. Like Steve Carell, like Michael Scott was just like too mean. And the things he said were just too uncomfortable. And I didn't like that. But I think if you get past the inappropriate, uh, misguided things that he says, there is, we're getting a little meta here, a little deep, (laughs) but there is, um, there is a theme of love and family and and sort of intrinsic niceness to each mm-hmm. other actually as weird as that sounds because of how many terrible things he says you know for the most part you know people in the office might roll their eyes at michael scott but if somebody from outside comes in to try to do some you know nobody really likes that like everybody sort of has their back which is very different than say what a lot of people are working in today which is like a big box like if you're working in paper you're working at staples Mm -hmm. or office depot or you know some huge big box corporate store where there is sort of a familial uh you know family kind of niceness to the show with a guise of it being kind of subversive totally there's there's an innocence to the show I, I find, uh, and I think that it comes from, I, I, I think that's, that breeds like the comfortability level of the show because it is, like you said, sure, like, yeah, there's some jokes and there's some edgy stuff, but it, like there is this like fundamental innocence to the show and the characters of these people that you just feel like you've become friends with. Um, right. Bron, I wanted to ask you as an actor because it's so interesting to me that a lot of actors like they strive so hard to get that role, you know, like they, so many people just never make it and they, they have a tough time becoming career actors and actresses. And sometimes when people get that one role, like for yourself with Kevin and certainly not defines, you know, your, your acting career, but it's such a, you know, larger than life role that people know you from it. I remember because as a Superman fan, I remember as a kid, there was an interview with Dean Kane and Dean Kane was like, Oh, I just, I'm so tired of people calling me Superman. I want to get past that. And in my head, I was thinking like so many people would just die for that opportunity to be like, you have a character that people like you without getting like too emotional, you like bring so much joy to people because of that character. Like you've impacted people's happiness in lives. Like so many times when like I'm feeling down or so many people, they're like, I'm going to watch The Office because it makes me happier. I don't know. As, as, as an actor, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, 
I mean, I'll answer the question in a couple of ways. First off is that, um, again, you said, not not wanting to get too emotional about it, but that that, that is the greatest, the greatest gift that the show gave me, um, and I think gave to a lot of people, is, is the, the thing that you just mentioned. That, you know, how many times, I mean, like, how often in public someone went through a divorce or a serious medical issue or deployed overseas or any other, you know, just life thing that happens that's a bummer that when I and we collectively as a group have been told like the office helped me during this time mm. and not as a way. And, and, and by the way, also them having the guts and also the need to tell me mm. that like, cause there's one thing for it to be something passive that, that you acknowledge helped, but almost like therapy style, like really having a need to communicate to me what the show means in terms of that. And I can promise you, I, <laughs> that was never a stated goal of the show. <laughs> never a stated, you know, and and so much so, I, I will say, um, I haven't talked about this before, but there was, you know, there was a, there were people, let's just say people on both sides of the political uh, presidential race, current politics, that, you know, they went to certain shows about wanting, you know, support or to do a table read or to do a this or a that or a fundraiser. And, you know, we kind of decided that that the show was something that gave all people comfort and, and kind of not wanting to step into that, you know, arena or take a side or whatever. It doesn't matter what we think because the show has been a source of comfort for so many people. And, and we don't take that for granted or lightly. And again, like never imagine that, you know, spilling the chili on the floor, like would yeah. be a part of something that would like give people comfort. But yeah, I mean, it's so funny. And it's not, it's not a cliche, uh, Dean, because I, I, I know it's true, but like that phrase, like I put it on every night before I go to sleep. I cannot tell like so many people. And, um, and again, not, I keep referencing Billie Eilish in a weird way, but like, she's like, Oh no, I put it on. I'm in the shower or I'm this. I'm like, you're not even watching yeah. it. So what are you even doing? Because you're hanging and out. She's like, them. there's just that, that sound, that, that familiarity, something she knows that, that, you know, brings comfort or whatever. That's incredibly moving. Now as an actor, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I think, um, it will never, it, for better or worse, it will never escape me. And I, I don't ever take that for granted or ever bemoan that. It is an opportunity that, you know, still gives people pleasure and comfort and, um, and laughter in this world that is difficult to find sometimes. So I never do. I, you know, I, I, it's funny because really my, I didn't, comedy was not the thing that I mostly did uh, when I was growing up doing, doing theater, not growing up. That sounds weird. Um, right before the office, I was doing theater and I was doing like mostly like real gritty style drama hmm. stuff. Um, and, you know, but for me, it was really about the creation of the character. And so I think, you know, in some ways for me specifically, I mean, look, I have a distinctive head, let's be honest. So like I get spotted uh, a, a lot and I, and the character was so sort of specific and also different uh, from, from me. Um, I think that causes people some confusion or yeah. whatever. Um, but, but no, I don't ever, I don't ever complain or think to complain about that. Yeah, it's it's funny that to your earlier point uh, when you say people would watch The Office as a form of therapy. So uh, I broke my leg last year and I was in the hospital for seven days recovering. It was in Switzerland and there weren't streaming rights in Switzerland. So I couldn't watch The Office. So I had to watch The Freaking Friends for seven days, which was such a bummer. But the second I got back, I started watching The Office. But um, Brian, question for you. So many years ago, maybe like two or three years ago, you were at uh, a premiere for um, 
an Amazon original show called All or Nothing. Do you remember that? The football show? Yes. You met one of my really good friends there who we talk about office with all the time. His name is Tommy. He's an Amazon unscripted executive. He was talking to you about like shot put or something really strange. And I called him right before I told him I was going to speak with you today. And I was like, Tommy, I'm interviewing or I'm, you know, I'm talking to Kevin from the office from Brian. What's one question you want me to ask him? And he's like, he like called me freaking out. He's like, you got to ask him of all the people on the show, who is the person that was most often to like to break, to break character mid, uh, you know, mid scene. Like laugh. Yeah. Mindy Kaling. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can see that. (laughs) I can see that. There's no, there's no, yeah, there's no, you know, John uh, Krasinski who played Jim, he, he, he would like, he would break a lot, and especially with him and uh, you know, like, and he talked to me about this, actually, his uh, first part of our conversation just aired last week. And he was talking about, um, especially when they had the talking heads, right? Like the direct interview to camera. And occasionally they would put Jim and Dwight in there at the same time and they couldn't get through it. Uh, John, <laughs> John could not get through it, but no, of the entire cast, it's Mindy Kaling. And I nice. I don't think you would get a different answer from anybody. Yeah, it's funny because uh, my girlfriend and I listen to Office Ladies podcast quite a bit. And we, we've actually heard you on there as well. Uh, and I remember them saying the same thing, that Mindy was kind of the one that would always break the most. Yeah. Um, and on that topic, too, I, I kind of want to ask you. So what would what would make the Office Deep Dive stand out from Office Ladies, which is a great podcast? I'm just curious. I just, it's it's just a totally different thing. I mean, they what they are doing is so fun and cool. They are they're going through episode by episode, and they're talking about the specific episodes, um, details that happen, behind the scenes stuff that happen uh, through the episode. This is uh, these are conversations with the individual people. That's really much more macro as opposed to mm. micro, like like talking about the entirety of the casting process and talking about the entirety of like, you know, Steve Carell slash Michael Scott's journey on the show and, and him, the decision for him leaving, for example, or where that fit in and him coming back. And, you know, so it's looking at more sort of like the whole thing and not, and they're just going episode by episode. Gotcha. Oh, and that actually brings me back to a question I had earlier too. So you talked about how, Michael Scott's character matured. See, this is when Dean starts fanboying. He's like, oh, wait, I have a question. Oh, I forgot. I have another question. Oh, wait a minute. I have another question. Like, Brian, you have four hours, right? I've got a million questions up here, and I'm, like, trying to, like, keep it topical to the conversation. But I'm like, (laughs) but I can't do it. Um, You were saying you were, like, a grungy actor before joining The Office. So how did Brian become Kevin? Like, how did you get cast, and then how did that whole process work? Because if you, you said you weren't much of a comedic actor, you were saying. Yeah. I mean, I was, I focused more on drama. I mean, I moved to Los Angeles. I was doing theater around the country and uh, I moved to Los Angeles and, and uh, decided I was going to like take a chance. And, and I said no to some theater projects and I was going to go to LA and explore film and television. I'd done a little bit outside of LA in film and television. I like, I had my screen actors guild card, but, um, you know, I went and decided to dedicate, uh, myself to, to that. And uh, fortunately it was just, um, a lot of preparation. I knew the British show. I knew that it would be a good show for me, but, uh, just a couple of months after I moved to Los Angeles, I met Greg Daniels and Ben Silverman and the folks at the office. So, um, you know, I did a lot of, work around the country in small theaters and um big theaters and but once i moved to los angeles um i i met those guys pretty quickly and and started working on the show nice and then the rest is history i guess yeah so since we are a dating podcast question for you if you could go back and be kevin and kevin had the pick of the litter in the office who do you think kevin would want to date the most who would heaven want to do? <laughs> yeah, because Brian, most? you're happily married. You know, you have kids. I'm, so right. I'm, gonna I'm, ask Brian. To, I'm trying. I'm, I'm repeating the question to 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 make sure that I'm framing it correctly. <laughs> I uh, I mean, well, let's just say again, we're talking about Kevin. 
Kevin became very, very interested in Jan's boobs once they were augmented. <laughs> yep, right. So I don't, I don't know. That's not exactly in the office. But, you know, other than that, I guess it would be Pam. Right. I mean, I guess, you know, that because Angela, no, no, no. I, I mean, I guess it would be Pam. But I don't know. Maybe Jan would be the overall. Maybe he would. she, she would be the overall get. Although I have to say, I had a I had a, a pitch, and I talk about talked about this in the podcast. And there's going to be more coming out about this, but I actually went to the writers. We had big meetings. They, there was a lot of great, uh, always very open dialogue between the actors and the writers. And I went to the writers and pitched. I can't believe I didn't even think this because this just came out. <laughs> um, I pitched um, Aaron. Uh, oh yeah. Ellie, Ellie Kemper. I felt like their energy, um, and not so much for their sexual tension, but I thought that their energy and sort of their, to- like her, like a hummingbird, just, just always like floating around and Kevin's just absolute stasis <laughs> would be very funny. I thought that was, I I thought that was a good idea. They decided not to go with it. Well, there was that one episode that uh, Michael wanted to be the matchmaker and try to set, uh, Kevin and Aaron up. I remember that one. And Aaron yeah. was like, I don't like Kevin. I like Andy. Yeah. 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 Maybe that was a residual thing, but I, yeah, that we had talked, we talked about that, like going into the last season, but that, that didn't go anywhere. Well, yeah. Well, is maybe, it, is it, well, maybe that's the a- other answer is that if Brian fictionally had been, I don't know. Maybe it would have been. <laughs> well, we're going to need but like a, would, a spinoff. I, I thought that would have been a very funny pair. That was the the reason for the thing. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't enough love interest for Kevin. I feel like we didn't get to see that side of Kevin enough. Yeah, you know? there was a there was a there. Well, there was Stacy, who was allegedly m- my fiance for the first couple of years. Right, and then she like dumped me over breakfast, and that went away. And, and there was a. Uh, storyline around where Michael and I were kind of together feeling the same way around a Valentine's day. And I end up meeting someone Then I did have a makeout sesh, uh, with that. Uh, I can't even think of the character's name now. Oh my word. Um, there was an episode called cafe disco where they turned the old or Michael Scott paper company into a thing. And yeah, I invite her, and I can't remember her name. I remember. I remember the line. I got six numbers. One more, and I got the whole thing. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see, the way, see uh, Brian. So now well. you sound like Dean, where you're like, "Oh, I made out with a girl, but I don't remember her name." Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, but that's all in the past. That's all. In the I'm past. kidding. I'm right, Brian, kidding. Well, Brian, one last was question on, for you. On on camera or not? Probably both. Yeah. Well, some some was on, some was off. Who's keeping track? You know. <laughs> right. Um, so like you said earlier, you said the office is the most watched show now, even though it hasn't had a new episode in 12 years, something like that, right? Something crazy like that. Seven, eight years. Yeah. Seven, eight years. And I I will say that one of, if not the most iconic scenes of the show is your chili scene, which makes that in essence, the most watched scene in television history in a way, right? Like, you know, you kind of deduce it down to that. (laughs) <laughs> Tell us about that scene, because that has to be like your most memorable scene from like an audience perspective, right? Yeah, I mean, it is now for sure. I, you know, I was not um, when when we when we filmed that scene, I had I clearly no idea that it would be this. And I thought it was fun. You know, the thing that people don't think about, uh, but there was it, I mean, it's crazy because people love the show. This scene was totally not shot in the way the show is. And yet this scene is the scene that, you know, everybody talks about. But, you know, it was just a voiceover from me, Uh almost the entire scene. No other characters appear in the scene except for me. It's a singular, you know, shot through with me describing what I'm doing. Um, And so I thought it was cool. And it was a fun challenge, really, because... You know, I, I more and more as the show went on, I started doing a lot more physical comedy, which was something that I had done, um, you know, prior to the show. Um, and that that was those things were always kind of fun for me because it it really required figuring some stuff out, like um, 
you know, same thing with the uh, the fake fire drill and the running around and, okay, now you're going to smash the vending machine and you're going to run through and I hit the camera and do, you know, so all of that stuff is, is fun for me. You know, this, because, um, because of what resetting and shooting again was going to mean, there was a lot of prep sort of done into that, you know, like, you know, me trying to figure out, okay, how do I spill this and not make it look like I'm dumping it and all of those things. Um, so that was really fun. I'm tremendously proud, especially now because I, I talk about it often. It was one take of the spill. Oh, nice. Um, Fortunately, I, as I have joked many times, there were all of these plans in place about different pieces of carpet and props and chili and all of this stuff. Um, there, there wasn't, I don't think enough thought done to how messy I was going to be. <laughs> and I really, and truly don't know that we could have shot it again. Cause you know, chili stains, let me just, <laughs> let's just say that the spices that are in chili. So like my hands were like almost orangey and like, I don't know that we could have done that again that day, but thankfully we got it. Yeah, nice. Well, that's just a testament to your acting ability, I guess. And I'm sure everyone's grateful because the the restaging would have taken forever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. I mean, Brian, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast today. Everybody listening, go check out The Office Deep Dive with Brian Baumgartner. Uh, You just released your episode with John Krasinski, which you actually recorded before the pandemic, if correct. Yes. Yeah, so most of the interviews we... We, we yeah we recorded before the pandemic so we were in person i i traveled to new york then and did that and uh and yeah jenna fisher is coming up and then uh steve carell right after that so we've got a, a great little stretch here that'll be i think a lot of fun for people to hear that's awesome nice. i'm glad that i'm glad we had john here because i want to check it out now like i said i like office lazy ladies but it'll be nice to get oh yeah uh, you should these, listen to the one. Um, you should listen to all of them, Dean. But you should listen to the one with Ricky Gervais. Uh, Ricky Gervais is one of my comedic oh, yeah. heroes, and uh, so that was a great conversation. Um, he's awesome. He, he's yeah, so he's smart awesome. and seems so freaking cool too. Yeah. Well, Brian, thank you again. We've taken up way too much of your, your time, and uh, I thank you again for joining us here on Help I Suck at Dating. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. It was so nice meeting you. Thanks again, man. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, you guys. All right. Good luck. Thank you so much. Thanks. You too. Cheers. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. All right, welcome back to Help I Suck at Dating. Dean, how's your little office fanboy heart? Fulfilled? Uh, I've still got butterflies. I'm still nervous. It's like, you know. Just give me a second to recover here. I yeah, feel like. you're, you're sweating a little bit. You're blushing. Kevin's so fun. Or I'm sorry, Brian's character is so funny because he has to be the mo- one of like the most influential characters per line set. Like he really doesn't have that many lines, but he is like one of the key characters of the show. Are, I don't. Are you even? Do you even watch The Office? I feel like. Yeah, I've seen. I've seen episodes. So every time I watch The Office, I really enjoy it. But I have never 
sat down and just started binge watching it. As you know, I'm not a big TV mm. show guy and I never watched it when I was on, but every time I watch it, I do enjoy it. So like, I really have to kind of sit down. I do feel, cause I love, I, I love, I, I just love comedies. And so like Seinfeld, even Friends, you know, I watch all that stuff. So I got to get into it because I love it. And I love Ricky Gervais. I freaking yeah. love Ricky Gervais. So I feel like I would it's fall so, in love with it. It's show. so funny, the uh, the distinctions between us. You you lose it for movies and superheroes and stuff. And I like don't really care for that at all. And then I'm like obsessed with The Office. Parks and Rec is also really good. Um, and like Entourage. Those are my three shows I could watch all day, every single day. Well, Dean, that's like why you, we're so you, successful you know, at hosting this podcast, because we're opposites. Right, right, right. Uh, intellectual diversity is what it is. Uh, so we do have an email. <laughs> it's a good way of putting it. We have an email uh, from uh, our suck army. Once again, please, everybody, we love your emails. Email us at I suck at dating at iheartmedia.com. Again, I suck at dating at iheartmedia.com. We love your emails. We love talking to you. We love hearing your stories. We love answering your questions. We probably do a crappy job answering them, but we still want to try. So please email us. And of course, you can follow us at Help I Suck at Dating Instagram. All right, here we go. No Mark, no Easton. Do you want to read it? You want me to read it? Oh, should we have Riley read it? Riley, you want to read it? Yeah, I definitely can read it. Come on, Riley. We got right, this, baby. Give it my best. This email is from Haley. She says, my boyfriend and I have been together for a year and we live together. We're fully in love and so happy. I'm a bridesmaid in one of my best friend's wedding this summer. And she invited my ex too, but whatever, it's her day. So I can't be too upset about it. The main issue is I am nervous about my boyfriend and my ex interacting. We ended on okay terms, but we still are on and off several years after ending things. And then I ghosted him when I tried to get serious again. That was pretty close to the time my boyfriend and I got together. He's a good guy, but I just knew he wasn't the one. My ex will also be bringing his new girlfriend to the wedding. I just wondered if you had any advice on all of us interacting at the wedding or if I should text my ex beforehand to clear the air to make sure things aren't awkward. Well, first and foremost, Riley, thank you so much for reading that. You're welcome. I know, Riley, you're the best. You're really uh, competing for Mark's job over there. She doesn't need to text her ex-boyfriend about clearing the ear. There's no need for that. Listen, it's this day is not about you. It's not about your boyfriend. It's not about your ex. It's not about her, his new girlfriend. This day is about your best friend who's getting married. So everybody there should respect that and just go there and you be cordial and you say hello good to see you and then you go your separate ways and you have a grand old time not thinking about your ex or not making it about you because this is not your wedding and Haley I'm sure that you feel that way I just hope that your ex does as well and honestly if he doesn't then he sucks and your best friend will know that because your best friend will know that he's trying to make it about himself so don't even text him it's not a big deal just let it go you don't I would maybe talk to your boyfriend right now and just be like hey He's going to be there. Just make sure you're cool about it. This is not about us. This is about our best friend getting married. And I'm sure your boyfriend would be like, yep, absolutely. I'm not going to make a scene. Jared, I got to hand it to you, man. I don't think I've ever seen you so fired up before. Uh, the reason. So if you remember, I didn't. <laughs> I went through somewhat of a similar situation right here on this podcast with this same exact scenario where, you know, my good friend was a groomsman. Uh, I mean, we don't have to rehash it because it was a difficult time, <laughs> but it was just a hard moment where it was like, you know, you you, you go you kind of like go through a breakup with a friend and then you come to a scenario where it's like, oh, no, like, do I want to put these people in the same room where like I know there's like tension there and I'm sure they'll be fine. But do I like even want to present the idea of that happening? Uh, so I understand. I understand. It's tough. It's not easy. I, I agree. I don't think anyone can understand this situation better than you on this podcast at the moment. I will say, I think there is some holes in your argument. Oh, here we go. I think. I like it. I think. What of it, Dean? What are the holes? Come on, baby. I'm ready. <laughs> your advice was, it was sound advice. I didn't agree with all of it, but I don't think you could go wrong by following your advice. But the point is with the, we're going to use your wedding as an example. And I know you don't want to bring it back up, but I, we have to. So hey, uh, you, one of your good friends was a groomsman. You didn't even give the possibility of the, of Haley's situation happening because you were worried about the possible repercussions of it. And you kind of nipped it in the bud and you're like, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and say 
We don't want any type of uh, uncomfortability among the guests, which I respect. I think it was the right decision. My point is, you thought that it could have gotten to a point where it was awkward for everyone. And it sounds like Haley doesn't have that option because she's going to be at the wedding regardless with her ex. Mm-hmm. So if, if you think it could be that potentially that bad, I think what Haley should do is text her ex. Well, tell her boyfriend first. Tell her boyfriend what's going on. Say, hey, baby boy, listen to what I'm, listen to what's going on. Make sure you can't call him baby boy. Really butter him yeah. up first. You know? oh, exactly. Butter him up real good. Um, tell him what's going to happen and then, and then be like, I'm going to text him and kind of just like break the ice before we even get there. You know, just be like, and it's a simple text because you should be like, Hey, I hear you're going to this wedding. I'm going as well. Uh, I'll, uh, not like I'll see you there, but like, you know, if, if you guys are on good terms, it doesn't really have to be much more than that. And then when you see him there, instead of just like, you know, passively sitting off in the distance, I would say, bring your boyfriend up assertively to him and his new girlfriend, just like, hey, hi, good to see you, blah, blah, blah. And then that way there's no more tension. I think if you do those two things, there would be zero issues whatsoever. What do you yeah, think? I'm imagining they're not on good terms seeing how she ghosted his ass. She said, well, she did ghost his butt, but look, he just said, duh, 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 duh. I can't remember where I remember seeing it, but she said we that ended on, good on terms. okay terms. Okay terms. But we were still on and off for several years after ending things, and then I ghosted him. So I'm thinking yeah. that when they did end things on okay terms, when she didn't respond, not okay terms anymore. My, I okay. would imagine. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. All the more reason to do what everything I just said. I think by being the assertive person in the situation, you're basically asserting that you're cool with it. And by you being cool with it, he's going to be cool with it. You know? Don't you find that sometimes, though, when you try to get ahead of a situation – it sometimes like makes the situation more of a thing than it actually is. Like if she reached out and said, Hey, I don't want to make a thing of this. Do you think he'd be like, why you think I was going to make a thing of it instead of just like going and not talking and being like, Hey, hello. See you later. I I definitely see your point. And that's why I never encouraged her to say, I don't want to make a thing of this because by saying, I don't want to make a thing of this. You're making a thing of it. Simply just be like, Hey, I heard you going to so-and-so's wedding. I'm going to be there too. Looking forward to a fun weekend. Like that's all you need to say. You don't need to say I'm making a thing of it. Simply just reaching out, uh, implying that you're going to be there. And then when you're there, go up and say hi. And then that's the end of it. Well, Haley, Otherwise, my, it's like. My biggest advice is uh, if she uh, does do that, tell your boyfriend like beforehand. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like show him the text and be like, I'm about to hit send. Are you okay with this? For sure. It definitely is like uh, it should be worked upon. It's like a group project, you know. Team effort. There, there, it's like group A versus group B. Group A puts together the project, sends it to group B. Group B, probably he's going to bring it to his girlfriend. They're going to put something together, send it back to group A. Yep. And then they're going to be at the wedding, and they're all going to be one group. Yep, I think that's very. I think that's the best advice I've ever given on this podcast, I'll tell you what. There's no I in team, but there is an I in relationship. So I'm not sure if that makes sense, but There's think two. about it. There's two, There's two I's. I's in relationship. Yeah, even so you and I... Uh, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Help I Suck at Dating. A big thank you to, of course, Brian Bumgartner. Uh, please listen to his uh, podcast. We know Dean is uh, The Office Deep Dive. It's some great stuff on there, especially if you love The Office, which you do because it's probably the biggest show of all time. Uh, big thank you to Riley for stepping in. Riley was the producer, the engineer. She wrote the the rundown. She got the guests like Riley kicking butt. She needs to do one more thing before we can let her get off scotch-free. Uh, I think it'd be great to have a woman's perspective on the question we just answered. Oh, would, you, good do, point, would, would you guys both be okay with that? Yeah, I'll, I'll give my perspective. Okay. Um, I agree. I think she should text the, her ex beforehand. I think if she's thinking about it this much and she's worried about it, I think she should text. And also, it, it if you're overthinking it, it's going to be awkward there, you know, in person. Might as well get it out on text beforehand and then be okay face to face. Nice. So I am outnumbered on this one, two to one. They do say geniuses walk alone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a genius, unfortunately. <laughs> and you guys are probably right on this one, seeing how like my dating history isn't like, you know, I obviously screwed up the thing with Ashley for quite some time. And thank God she was still there. Uh, so and make sure everybody, thank you. Did that make any sense? Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. <laughs> Next week, I do want to tease a little segment where we're going to talk about 
So we have an article from Cosmopolitan that we're going to talk about this week, but we didn't have time. It was about somebody bringing a crystal with them on the first day. And so Riley put together some things that, hey, if this person brought this with them on a first date, would you think it's cool or creepy? So we're going to talk about that next week, which I'm very excited to dive into. And make sure you tune in where hopefully we all suck just a little bit less. A little bit less. Follow Help by Suck at Dating on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. Right, let's go. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. <laughs> You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. 